This is the 18th season of Bass Talk Live. With your host, Matt Pangrad. BTL is brought to you by Lorance, Bass Cat Boats, AFCO, Strike King Lures, Sunline, Big Bite Baits, Spro, X-Zone Lures, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, and Pro Guide Batteries. BTL, coming at ya! Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live where we are going to talk about bass fishing. If you notice a little tweak in the intro... Uh, like I said, I'm still in uh, in Jeffrey's, the original, the BTL studio for uh, for another month or two until I get the studio finished at my house, and then I'm going to keep a lot of the same elements moving forward in January, uh, but also going to change some things up. Probably, uh, I would say the basketball posters will probably be gone, and there will probably be no bowling pins uh, in the background or black flag albums. Other than that, it'll pretty much be the same with fishing uh, memorabilia. But anyway, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six monitors, three modems to soundboards anyway there's one little computer monitor and all it does is the uh bumper music the btl intro music that uh gets everybody up and going in the morning and i came in this morning and uh it uh it said uh imminent hard drive failure on that computer which i like i said i'm fairly tech savvy not incredibly tech savvy but it said press f1 to con- continue um, so I, I pressed F1 and then it gave me a deal that was like your whole system's crash and hope you backed it up. So there's like nine songs on that entire deal. So we'll have to figure something out up for the rest of the week, but just a little bit different intro. Also, uh, we had a little change up in the guest lineup. Uh, last week I mentioned, I was talking with Brad Hallman, uh, and he was chatting with his buddy, Jared Littner, you know, Hallman back on the elite series. So I called Littner to, to get, uh, Jared on the show. Cause he's been on the show for a long time. Actually, if you look in the background there, you can't see it right now, but there is a Bass Zone Jersey, uh, that Jared Littner wore for an entire season on the Bassmaster Elite Series back there. But we were originally going to have Marty Stone on. He was going to talk about his MJS Academy, uh, talk about the changes back to the uh, five-fish limit in the uh, majority of the BPT tournaments next year, excluding uh, heavy hitters and the Team Series. Uh, and he called me yesterday and said that uh, he just moved into a new house. I don't know really the details about it, but he basically said that that he's six weeks into this new house and he has located standing water around his premises that he could quote throw a buzz bait in uh and there's not supposed to be any standing water around there and it's a debacle i guess for mr stone so we pushed him to next week uh while he takes care of things at home uh and we got jared littner on now littner's got a lot going on i just saw if you follow his social media he's got a brand new boat in uh, the garage. He's actually after our interview today, headed to the lake to break in uh, said boat. Uh, going to talk to him uh, about his thoughts on the change to the five fish format. Uh, we had him on like right after he had moved to uh, Georgia. Uh, now he's fully settled in there. He is a Georgian. 
Uh, I mean, he doesn't have, I'm looking at him here in the deal, he doesn't have a Bulldogs shirt on yet, but I'm sure they just give him like a month or two and he'll be, he'll be a Georgia Bulldog for sure. Here, let's bring him in right now. Yeah, no Bulldogs apparel yet, huh, Lintner? No, no, this is, that's a new thing. Like, uh, basically, yeah, last year when I moved in or moved to Georgia, just fishing around here, I noticed about, one, two o'clock in the afternoon on the Saturdays, nobody's at the lake. Nobody's at the store. Everybody's watching college football. So I I don't know. Just growing up in California, college football wasn't like the thing. But obviously, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, these people live and dive, you know, and, and just, I mean, it's a, it's a whole thing. It's kind of, it's still kind of weird. Like, they'll cancel tournaments. Like, Oh, Georgia and Alabama are playing. There's a tournament that day. That, that tournament's canceled. And I'm like, what? Really? Oh, yeah. It's happened. Uh, I would assume then there will be no jackpots in the state of Georgia this Saturday as Georgia is playing Tennessee in uh, probably the one of the biggest SEC games ever. Yeah, I, don't, I haven't heard about any tournaments whatsoever. So that's probably why. I didn't even know that, was a, that game was going on this weekend. That's how out of You didn't even I, know that... Georgia was playing Tennessee this weekend. That's criminal, Jerry. You have to embrace the culture now that you're a you're Covington, right? Yes, Covington. Now that you're a Covington, Georgia resident, you were talking about possibly shooting a deer off your deck. That's the most Georgia thing ever. You got if you're going to do that, you got to know that Georgia's playing Tennessee this weekend. <laughs> you know, here's the thing about it. So, the friends I've met and the buddies I already have down here already, Barry and some of these guys since I moved here. Georgia won the national championship last year. So they feel like I'm bringing them good luck, even though I have no idea what's going on. Like I just learned the other day that university of Georgia is an hour North of me in Athens, which I had no idea. I went up there to a gun store, tackle gun store to check that out. No idea. The university of Georgia is there. Everybody's like, what is wrong with you? The other day we're driving down the road. People got these flags on their cars and I'm like, whatever, man. I mean, I, I just never have been into it, but obviously it's gonna, you know, get invited to. Hey, come on over. We're gonna, we're gonna grill. They don't call it barbecue. Grill and uh, watch the game. Oh, have you God. not? Have you not ever tailgated? Have you not experienced the pageantry of big time college football? I've never been to a college football game ever, dude. I feel like you need to expand your horizons. We're we're going. We're uh, yeah. Yeah, like Coulter, Brandon Coulter invited me uh, anytime I want. They got like season tickets or something up there to Tennessee. Uh, so he's like, dude, you have to come up there. It's a great time. So I, I don't know. I'll figure it out. Take Harry, pack up a day bag, get a, get a couple of cold pops, go up there. Just don't plan anything for 48 hours and roll with it, and you will understand. You will understand what it's all about. It's like Talladega, huh? Like that's the deal. Yeah, I mean it's insane. All right, I'll, I'll I'll have to take the kid and the wife, and we'll go do this. Yeah, wow. Uh, I, I mean, I wasn't expecting to go that direction, but I feel like yeah, I, th- <laughs> I feel like within two years you're gonna you're gonna be like, remember when uh, Jamie Horton had the elephant and the roll tied on the back oh, yeah. of his on the back? Yeah. I feel like you might have a big the big G. No, I don't know. Steve Kennedy with the what is that? The Auburn Tigers, right? Yeah, well, that's his whole rap and everything. Yeah, yeah, maybe I'll get into it like that. Just put and he comes into Eye of the Tiger. 
Because it's the Auburn Tigers, but then they say War Eagle. It's confusing there. You know, his whole rap is based on like it's baby blue because he feels like the fish are more likely to eat his stuff closer to the boat because a solid boat like hull and wrap on the side and like jersey is like stands out more. So that's why all of his stuff is like kind of light aqua camo broken up because he thinks he gets more commitment of a fish that that he's got like on a chain on a on a swim bait or something real close to the boat. Have you seriously? Have you asked him that? Like, is yeah, that, I'm like on ninety nine point nine nine percent sure we've had him on. He's talked about it. So in in California, uh, like Lake Shasta, Lake Orville, years ago, these guys would get these little. They look like uh, little oval, basically stickers that had hologram on them, and they would put them under the boat, like on the hull of the boat, and they were saying that when the sun's out, that re- reflect off the water on the bottom of their boat and it would look like a school of shad and these spotted bass would swim up to their boat and they'd catch them. No way. I swear, man, there was a whole thing. Like everybody was having these, I'm like, I ain't putting that sticker on my, wait, I mean, run me through this again, Jared. So you would, you, you have a, your regular boat. It's got what a white hole on it. I would assume. Yeah. yeah. And yep. they would put like chrome. Yeah. Like a hologram, like inch and a half, two inch long oval sticker. They'd cut them out, like go to, a craft store. Okay. I'm with you. And you cut them out. So they're oval and they're about inch and a half, two inches long. And they got like hologram on it. So when you put a hologram sticker, like out in the sun, right, it's going to reflect, right. Yeah. Just like a yeah, boat. Yeah, yeah. And they would stick them all like a thousand of them underneath the hole of the boat. And they really believed that they'd be out in the middle of the lake or whatever, you know, deep, clear water mm-hmm. and the sunlight reflecting off the water would come back, hit the bottom of their boat, and it would shine, and the fish th- thought there was a school of shad up there, and they'd swim up to the boat, and then they'd catch them. I'm just telling you, dude, I, I'd never got involved in it. I know some of those guys caught them really well. So, Is that still a thing out there, or how long ago was this? Uh, it was probably, shoot, late 90s. Uh, yeah, late 90s. Yeah, Dude, I'm thinking this. <laughs> now, yeah there you go start selling stickers i mean it would you would probably sell some why wouldn't you do like in muddy water like why wouldn't you just get some like fluorescent orange ones and like a crawdad and just <laughs> like a, your boat like, like <laughs> an orange kicker blade hull? yeah, yeah. It'd be perfect <laughs> That's interesting. I've never you do you ever you don't put much thought into that, do you, as far as like the hull and water displacement and how much your presence affects the fish? You know, in the spring, uh sight fishing stuff, I, I really pay attention to what I'm wearing. Um, you know, obviously they, the fish are smart. They know, especially nowadays, everybody with the forward facing sonar, I'm using Garmin Panoptics. I mean, some of these fish now. You see, you still see them out there, but they ain't sitting there for long. Because I, I really believe they could feel that, that pinging, that that beam hitting them, and they're so edge, getting so educated now that they swim off. Like Lanier, <coughs> a couple of years ago, like you'd almost catch every one of them. Now you you might catch one. Like it's it's getting to be pretty wild. Like it's a different. Um, I don't know. It's just a totally different way of fishing as we all grew up doing and i think at some point it's going to revert back to you know 
the bank beaters or, you know, those fish up on the bank aren't seeing near as much pressure as they did 10, 15 years ago at all. Um, so I'm, I'm very aware of what's going on and I try to minimize boat noise. But with all that being said, when you have a 20, 21 foot boat sitting on top of their house, they, they know what's going on. You know I mean? There's only so much you can do. And I guess, you know, how fishing is, is as long as you're confident in what you got going on, whether it's putting stickers on the bottom of your boat or wearing a gray shirt on overcast days, whatever it may be, then that's going to help you be successful. If you're not confident, like I don't believe I can put stickers on my boat and go out there and catch more fish than the guy next to me. I, I don't. But if somebody does, more power to him, man. I mean, I'm not going to say that he doesn't know what he's doing. It's just not the way I roll. Uh, the sight fishing guys, the thing that I'd never thought of, and the sight fishing guys are pretty adamant. Some of them, some of them don't. I mean, look at Skeet Reese. The guy looks like Big Bird out there, and he's won every title and millions of dollars known to man. But uh, I'd say that with all due respect. You could say the same about Bobby Lade, or you could say the same about any of those guys, you know, Kevin, black and red and all that, dark. But uh, um, was the underbill of the hat during sight yeah. fishing. There are some guys that are very conscious of what color the underbill of their hat is, which had never crossed my mind until they were like, dude, you got you to get that, get that white underbill of the hat out of there. They're like, that's the only thing the fish see. It's just this big block when they look out of the water. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And your, your eyes, right? Like I'm wearing a black, you know, under the bill. If you have white, when you're wearing those glasses and stuff, the reflection off the water, you're not going to see as good if you're wearing white underneath. So, you know, and I, I read an article years and years ago, long time ago from Alton Jones, really, I mean, exceptional mm -hmm. sight fisherman. Right. And he talked about the wearing colors to kind of match the sky so that you're your silhouette's going to be there, but if you're wearing, say, a, a white shirt, you're going to stand out more if you're wearing, like, a baby blue shirt or a light gray shirt or something like that. Um, uh, and I, I've, I've used that. I've always remembered that. And, I'm, you know, when I go to, say, I was going to Lanier tomorrow, they're not spawning, but it is clear water. I'm not going to wear a, you know, a Skeet Reese yellow shirt or a, you know, bright red or something like that. I'm going to wear more natural colors. So, and again, it goes back to that thing about the stickers. It's that's what I'm confident in. Obviously Bobby Lane, Fletcher, Ski, yeah. all the guys you named. I mean, shoot, I mean, hands down, they're catching them. So it doesn't really matter, I guess, but it matters in my mind. I got you. Are you the same that way around like Hydrilla? So like I just got done with the open at, Rayburn and my co-angler were there and he's like you don't you don't shut all your electronics off and I was like what and he's like well we're like five feet from the edge here and he's like I, I always shut mine off and I was like dude I don't I don't punch enough to know what does it doesn't make a difference I was like I'm I'm just gonna roll down this um are you <laughs> what are you that's the truth are you conscientious of that stuff when yeah. you're in the grass or does the grass mask you a lot more it, it does. Um, it depends on how clear the water is to me. Uh, so like the Delta, for example, extremely clear water now because of all the good grass, lots of, lots of hydrilla, pennywort, all that stuff. 
and yeah, I'll, I'll put my garments in sleep mode, um, and be as stealthy as possible just because they're in grass doesn't mean that they lose their senses, meaning they know what's going on, man. These fish are getting a lot of pressure. Um, as far as the color thing, if I'm flipping mats, I don't believe that they can see outside Out. of the mat. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But as far as the boat noise, like it drives me nuts. Um, it, you know, if I have a, a co-angler or shoot, even my son who's he's, he's learning or even Nick, and you're flipping hydrilla and somebody's back there banging around, eating a sandwich, slamming the lid on the ice chest, opening boxes, throw them on the floor of the boat, walking around, playing music on their phone. I'm like, dude, that's that's enough of that. Like certain situations, I don't care. But when I, when you're up close, personal with them, you yeah, you got to be kind of stealthy. Um, the sunlight is killing me. No, you look fantastic. It's well lit. You look, you look amazing. Um, so I had a conversation then with John Sokup. He just qualified for the Elite Series. He fishes out of an aluminum. And shockingly, not all of his fish are caught using forward-facing sonar technology. He's actually very adept at shallow water fishing. And I'm also looking at other guys who are power fishermen, John Cox, Keith Carson, a lot of the guys who like to get up there in the, in the stuff. And yeah, you can access... Uh, access, not access, you can access the water a lot easier and there's stuff that you can get to that you can't get in a glass boat. But John, one time, was convinced that he caught more ultra-shallow fish in a aluminum boat because it did not impact the water surface as much and push water while he was moving. It sat more on top of the water because it was lighter and that as sensitive as those fish in eight to two foot of water are, a big fiberglass hull going through there pressurized the water, allowed them something was there and put them more on edge to where he could stealthily just slide in aluminum. You heard that? Do you believe in that too? I, I've never heard that, but that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, I, I could really see that. Actually, I just talked with a guy yesterday. I might buy, uh, <laughs> I might buy this little seventeen foot, uh, what is it, a Luma Craft, uh, electric mo- motor only, because mm-hmm. we have all these little lakes around here. Um, and there is some areas on these lakes where I'm going to go break in my boat here in a minute. Uh, I can't get my boat into, so I'm thinking about doing that. But that makes a lot of sense um, because there's, okay, so Clear Lake. Delta, Santa Margarita, some of these lakes I fished a lot in California. Certain times when they get super skinny, right? Like, like you said, 10, 12 inches. I always thought that I was spooking them, but if I got close to the bank, so super far, like as far as you can cast and you get those bites. Right. But what you're saying makes even more sense. Like if I'm, if I'm 75 yards away from them, I'm not, I guess, pushing water like you said. Whereas if I was 30 yards away from them, that that boat presence might be more water displacement. Yes, what Clay yes. said. That Clay makes a lot of sense, man. I mean, it. Wow, I actually learned something from you, or actually from sucker from John. Yeah, it kind of blew my mind. I didn't yeah. know if it was true or not or whatever. And then uh, one more. Let's let's just dive down this wormhole of possible conspiracy theories and things most anglers don't even think about that could be causing a difference is uh are you a a trolling motor constant on low or a 
intermittent trolling motor guy because I have gone back and forth as to pump it once on eight or ten and then glide in there or just constantly just go and they get used to it because I've heard top guys who have won millions of dollars and you'll see 50 50 on that yeah I'm I'm more of a like it depends on what I'm doing right if I'm if I'm covering water I just got it on constant you know not too high I so my son is starting to fish high school tournaments and this is a really good example so I said, here, you know, you run the boat, you do the whole thing. I had to drive the boat to wherever they wanted to go mm-hmm. and fish a derby the other day. And it was driving me crazy because he was doing what you were talking about. Like he'd have it on like eight or 10 and like <laughs> and stop. And I'm like, dude, you can accomplish the same thing. Just mellow it out. So like you're blasting everything around you to get, you know, 20 feet ahead. But the water you're ruining right now—it was driving me nuts. So finally, I said, "Look, dude, you gotta, you gotta, like, you know, mellow out." So mm-hmm. I guess I would be more one of those guys that kind of more constant, more—I don't know—just uh, if I want to get somewhere, I'm going to kick it up and I'm going to go. Right. But if I'm just fishing, I'm not—I'm not a guy that and then coast and do all that. I. I yeah, that's not me. Because there's some guys that believe that the trolling motor is the original hydrowave. Because especially with the GoPro, if you watch and live, a lot of times after, like right as soon as a guy hits his trolling motor in an opposite direction, triggers a bite. Have you ever noticed that? I, I have. You know, and, and it's interesting, too, that you said that because... Not so much like, you know, your clear lakes and stuff, but when, when we go up north, say St. Lawrence River or, you know, some of the Great Lakes, uh, even uh, Cayuga, right? Mm-hmm. I'll have the hydrowave on or whatever. It's, it's weird to me, and part of it is because those fish don't see boats every day. I mean, it's frozen over, for, and they don't even have a season for six months, so they don't really get fished for as much as, you know, say, Gunnersville. A lot of these fish um, will come up and, like, look. You'll see these smallmouth just swim up and look at your trolling motor and swim back down. And you're like, what? Why would you? Why would they do that? And, yeah, it, I think it's just something different. It's creating, obviously, current and electric, whatever. And There's something going on. And those fish, I always thought that they're going, yeah, I, you know, like they got the better of me kind mm-hmm. of thing showing off like hey <laughs> see what you missed i'm not gonna bite now but um i think no, there's something there dude it, i i really believe that i mean i i do because i've seen it happen way too many times like you just be out there fishing you see them on panoptics out there swimming around and then you look and there's one like looking at your troll motor and you're like what, what is he doing and it's almost <laughs> like hey you're not gonna catch me i think they're just like showing off you really want to blow some people's minds now let's go into let's go down this route uh are, do you strap your rods on the front deck of the boat before you get to the lake like let's say you're staying 20 miles from the lake nope nope i don't yeah. i don't just because the road grime and stuff especially you know like we just had rain here if i when i go to take my boat out it's roads are going to have a little stuff on them they're going to kick up, get in your reels. I, I just don't like it. I mean, I, I 
the thing about, you know, not having my rods on my deck because people are going to see what I'm throwing. I, I don't believe in that. Like I remember growing up and fishing gold coast bass club, tri-valley bass club. And these guys would show up with aluminum foil wrapped around their crankbaits and their worms and stuff. And so like, you couldn't see what they were throwing. What are, you, what are you doing? You got hot dogs in there? Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But, but the, here's the thing. And I said this to a guy about my tire the other day. Um, I asked one of these guys a long time ago at Lake Achuma. I go, why are you doing that? And he goes, well, so people like you, they're trying to look at my baits, don't see what I'm throwing. So I'm like, okay. I mean, it makes sense, I guess. But no, I, I do not. Very seldom will I tow pretty much anywhere, you know, with my rods on my deck. Um, just the way I roll. I know guys who believe that if they have soft plastics on the deck, uh, that the exhaust from their truck will seep into the soft plastics, and there's something in that exhaust that the that the the bass do not like that have an aversion to. So you know, you tow that time, you've got a diesel truck, you hit the gas to pass someone, and now you have a basically a barrier coating of straight exhaust that is now leached into your plastics. I mean. Yes, I can see that. I mean, these fish fish are sensitive. You know, like, okay, so my brand new boat right now, what's driving me crazy is, you know, you open the lids up when it's brand new and that smell from the fiberglass and everything is brand new. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I waited until last night to put any tackle in there. And I'm still, first thing I thought of this morning was, I wonder how that's going to be when I open my box of, you know, my Mm -hmm. giant, my robo worms, for example. So if, if they stink, not good. That, I think that knowing bass book, or there's one of the books, one of the guys who was like very influential in the, in the, remember the 18 to 18 X power bait, you know, commercials from back in the day. I think he wrote the book. And one of the things that always stuck out with me is like, uh, tobacco, cigarettes, gas, fish don't care. You can soak stuff in it and they'll bite it like that. Cause I was like, boy, why would you get gas the same morning? But they don't care about that. But the active ingredient in sunscreen, despise it, will not touch it, will no. not get around it. So like, then there's stuff you don't even realize. Like you've got a co-angler, the wind's blowing back towards you. And the dude just slathers the spray on sunscreen on. Well, now all your stuff has a sunscreen on it. You're fishing. You're flipping. You're touching your bait every cast. You put it on your legs and your feet so you don't end up looking like a lobster. But the first thing you do when you sit down is you touch your knees and your legs where you just applied the sunscreen. Then you go up and touch your bait every cast. Like, that stuff drives me nuts. Well, yeah, but, I mean, that's why you have sense, right? Like, like I use this Potsky fire gel stuff, and I, I mean... yeah, you have to wear sunscreen pretty much. Um, and I'm really, you know, I have that whatever whatever Jaden uses for the deer out here, scent be gone or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I have that in the boat, and I rub my hands after I do the sunscreen, and then I put my fire gel on my baits and all that. But What, what is this stuff? Potsky fire gel, man. That's I'm stuff. looking it up now. It looks like trout bait. It So originally it was trout bait. It was salmon, oh, no. trout, uh all that kind of stuff. They're from the Northwest, but they make one uh, crawfish, a shad and a crappie that I really, really like and the bluegill. But um, anyway, what you were saying, that just reminded me of something. So when I first started bass fishing, like a long time ago, so when I was 15, right, this, this guy kind of 
see me at the lake and I was fishing off the bank or something. And Hey, you, I'll take you fishing if you want, if you get permission from your parents, that whole thing. So I go out there, I'm in this glass tron, the 175, you know, I'm, I'm like, dude, this is the deal. Like, this is awesome. We get out there, we go to the dam at Lake Lopez and, uh, you know, I'm all nervous and excited and all this stuff. And this guy takes this bottle of WD 40 and his rods are laying kind of on his, on the mm-hmm. deck right there. The carpet's all shot out. <laughs> and he takes this can of WD-40 and he sprays it on his reels, on his baits, on his line. The whole front <laughs> Just of the coats it. Like, what are you doing? Like, is there rust? Like, he's like, no, that's the scent, man. You put it on your reels, on your line, and on your baits. And you, that's the way you fish. And I'm like, What? Dude, he's smoking them. He's throwing a single tail grub on the dam on a jig head, smoking these fish. And I'm like, okay. So guess what I did? I stole my dad's can of WD-40 out of the garage and kept it in my little pack that I was carrying around at all the ponds. And I whacked them. So so for a period of time, WD-40 was my go-to. They eat it. Is this the stuff? Yeah, that's it. It comes in like a little can. Yeah. I've never heard of this. Dude, it's, yeah. No, it's, it's easy to apply. Oh, it's so, professional oh, yeah. strength. <laughs> Here's the deal with this. Then I don't want to turn this into a commercial, but. No, no, no. I'm curious. It's, I, I, do so, they, are they like a sponsor of yours or do you just use it? Yeah. Yeah. No. So I was using it and then they're like, hey, uh, somehow or another, they were, probably were watching a Tackle Warehouse vlog and they seen that I was I had some in my boat somewhere and they contact me and they're like, Hey, okay. you really like this? here's what I really like about it is you take a toothbrush, like an old toothbrush. Okay. And say you take that shad scent, get a little bit on that toothbrush and you get a jerk bait or your shad crankbait or a swim jig. And you can comb that stuff over. So you don't apply it too much on one side or the other. Does that make sense? Like you, it'll spread yeah. out evenly. And that shad right there that you're showing a picture of will stay on that jerk bait for hours, hours, hours. And I believe, you know how these fish, like we're talking about, they're getting educated, even with a jerk bait, which is reaction bait. They, I, I feel like I get more bites because, you know, especially a jerk bait, they'll come mm-hmm. up and look at it, follow it. They, they, they eat it. I promise you they eat it. Hey. And a crank bait too. Like, I've tried it over the years, you know, uh, smelly jelly and these other more liquid type stuff. Yeah. Put it on a crankbait, you throw it 10, 12 times, it's gone. That stuff right there will stay on there until you want it to come off. Um, Kevin Van Dam has that one that sent thing out that is literally in the size. He's got the bigger one, but he also has the ones in the size of a uh, chapstick. Like yeah, it yeah. literally looks like chapstick and is chapstick. I feel like it's a cruel, like literally I have applied it before because I just had it in the glove box and I was like, that is, you put it on, it's kind of sticky, but that'll kind of stick, stay with yeah. it too. Yeah. 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 Similar. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's good yeah. stuff. All right. Uh, let's take a break. <clears throat> really enjoyed that segment. Um, let's take a break. When we come back, uh, want to get your thoughts. Uh, you've had, uh, you've had a very, uh, solid, Run under the Every Fish Counts format with the BPT 18th, 41st, 62nd, and 29th in the four years of uh, 
cast, catch, count, and mount. So when we come back, I want to get your thoughts on going back to the five fish. I mean, you're a guy. I'm going to say, I mean, you're a Californian dude. You kind of made your your name over in Bassmaster in the Elite Series as, as hucking the big wood, bringing out the big plastic, going for broke. So uh, I want to get your thoughts on how you think that will uh, that'll change things uh, moving forward. It is uh, BTL on a Tuesday with Covington, Georgia's and Georgia Bulldogs' newest number one fan, <laughs> Jared Littner. <laughs> We'll be back right after this. Your key to better fishing this season is Elite FS. Now available at a new lower price. Get Elite FS9 today for $9.99. And we'll throw in a CMAP reveal chart. Our premium mapping solution for free. Elite FS works with all state-of-the-art Lorenz sonar. From chirp, side scan, and down scan imaging with fish reveal to high-resolution active target live sonar. Elite FS9 and CMAP Reveal. Offer ends August 31st. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry leading design coupled with tournament winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush. When you're catching fish for a living, you can't let a little cold, rain, heat, humidity, or anything else get in the way of a payday. I wear APCO. Any fish, any water. The KVD 100 Jerkbait. 15 different colors. A perfect combination of roll, wiggle, and flash. Increased castability. 3D eyes. Premium black nickel hooks. KVD. Tie one on. Striking lures. Elite Series Pro Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polinick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different. And really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.xzonelures.com and check them out for yourself. Are you looking to install your own fishing electronics? Well, the Bass Tank is here to help you. The solution is the Bass Tank Power Harness. It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer, 
so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. Installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com. All right, welcome back. BTL on a Tuesday with, uh, it just sounds weird, Georgia's Jared Littner. Uh, are you used to it yet? I mean, you've got a great spread there. You showed me you got a pool. You looks like you have some uh, some conifers, some some mature conifers in the background. Oh yeah, we got it going on. No, we, yeah, we're really liking it. Um, we've been here a full year now, uh, so the seasons are pretty amazing. The leaves are falling, so that's driving me nuts. They're getting all over the place, but uh, acorns are falling. I mean, that's why I'm sitting on this side. I got a big tree, big oak tree right here, dude. And they, I mean, those acorns knock you out from forty feet down. But, uh, hey, I got to ask you a question. So I was watching, you know, the commercial break there and these mm-hmm. pro-guide batteries, right? So I've been running these bio lithium batteries in my boat. And for years, I was just getting, like, Odyssey AGMs for my cranking and stuff. Right. Well, uh, they were, like, out of stock and all this. So I purchased these pro-guide 31 AGM batteries, two of them, because yeah. they run parallel. So is that, I mean, did I do good or not? I see yeah. them on there. I'm like, oh, that's, that's a thing. So I'm still running the 31 AGMs in this bass cat that I've run all year. Uh, and in the opens, this, like I said, uh, yeah, that's a testimonial for a well, company I mean, that I'm sponsors a show. That. So like the last open, I, you know, they have 200 boats in these things and the flights right. are all spread out. Right. So I fish from 7 a.m. to 5.45 p.m on Rayburn on high chasing fish on forward facing sonar offshore with a jerk bait in a 10 mile an hour wind. And at five forty five, I looked at my co-angler and I was like, dude, I, I don't have the lithiums and these things still have power in them. Wow. Uh, oh. so yeah, like I haven't, so I have nothing against them. So like next year I'm going to have the power pole charge with the pro guide lithiums and the whole nine yards. I just didn't want to do like a mid-year switch when right, it came uh, out, but like, I love them. And then, you know, we've had Matt on before. It was one of the best shows that we did. Like I just asked dumb battery questions for two hours and it was, yeah. I learned so much about batteries. It's, I feel like batteries are so important and you don't ever think about them until you, they're like referees, right? Like a good referee, you never even know they exist. And you go like, that was a heck of a game. Yep. You want yep. your batteries to be like referees to, to perform without ever becoming an issue or the star of the show. That, yeah, without a doubt. So, you you know, when we were talking about the rods on the deck and all that, the thing that keeps me awake at night or that I'm mo- most concerned about, like Carrie, she'll get VRBOs or hotels, whatever, for when I'm traveling. The number one thing she asks, the first thing she asks, is there outside plugins? Do they work? Mm-hmm. Like, because without that, you, I mean, you might as well not even show up. If you don't, these guys, like you said, some some of these guys, oh, I didn't charge my batteries for two weeks. And we're driving to the lake to fish out of their boat. And I'm like, turn around, we're done. Like, I don't even want to deal with it. I can't, I don't know. I mean, it's just. But with the lithiums, you can get away with that now. You can, and especially with the power pull charge, which yeah. I have on the boat. And, and that's, that. The, however they did that is amazing because, like I mentioned, I got my bioenos, my two lithiums rigged mm-hmm. parallel for my trolling. And then I have my two AGM Pro Guide uh, yep. 30 series. 
for my cranking and my graphs and all that run parallel and that charge however they do it you you know you program it through the app and it charges both whereas before the charge and i started getting into lithiums i had a the onboard for my cranking setup and then i carried a big old i don't know 75 pound hand charger basically you plug it into the wall and you couldn't leave it out in the rain you know it was a whole system the whole thing but yeah batteries very important i just wanted to ask you about the yeah. guy because i've never no, i've been been super I've never used them i just wanted to know if obviously they're legit i guess yeah battery outfitters i i love them um all right five fish limit big change four years of every fish counts i mean dude this thing has been pumped into our heads for the last four years now uh and obviously met with different levels of uh acceptability amongst the bpt guys amongst the fans and everything but I knew that it was kind of a, a, on the on the discussion table going into this year, but it kind of shocked my system to where it was like, all right, we're going back to five fish for for virtually all of the uh, regular season events. Like, how long was this in the works? What did what are your thoughts on it? How is this going to change things? I mean, you know, the first of all, you know, let's back up just a hair. So the anglers that are involved. Um, no matter what format you put them in, they're going to catch them. Jacob Wheeler, Bobby Lane, I mean, you know, all these guys, every yeah. one of them can catch them in either formats. But they've proven it. I mean, it's I'm not saying anything that's not true. The problem with <clears throat> a lot of the fan interaction or, you know, that, that kind of weird deal, like I, I told you yesterday, my own mom sometimes doesn't understand – which format I'm fishing. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's not relatable because for all of us growing up fishing for pretty much anywhere, uh, some random jackpot terms or three fish limit, but I would say 90 something percent or five fish, you know, catch way release um, or catch way, you know, and then release. Um, so it, it, it's not relatable. Like I was out here at Lake Sinclair just down the road last weekend uh with my son's high school term and this guy goes man what's his name smoked him up there at at malax and i'm like yeah dude and he goes yeah five for 61 pounds and i'm like no dude no he had like 12 or 13 or whatever it was and he's like what i go yeah we yeah it's a cumulative so you know and he's not a you know a diehard guy right but in his mind when they hear, you know, Jordan Lee, 109 pounds, guys are like, dude, there's no way he caught five 22-pounders. You know what I mean? So it's not really relatable for the general fishing fan, I guess. So that's been a big hurdle, and a lot of the sponsors that are involved with the league and us as anglers are like, you know, it's it's kind of one of those – we like what's going on over here, but at the same time, we, you know, it's, it's a hard transition. Um, so I think having the new format, uh, a five fish catch way release and the score tracker is really, really going to make it like, I, I'm really looking forward to it because, you know, whether you're playing in a basketball game, a football game, baseball game, bowling, whatever, 
it doesn't matter. Any other sport, <coughs> excuse me, you know the score, you know what you're, you know what the competition has, you know who you're playing against, all that stuff. Now in fishing, we're going to have that. So you know we've had the the live leaderboards in the past, and we've had I guess the bass track. But everybody knows, I mean, when, you know, Jason Christie says, yeah, you know, on his bass track, I got nine, I got nine and a half pounds. And he weighs in an hour later with 19 and a half pounds. That's a late day flurry, Jared. Yeah. Late day. just a late day flurry. But I mean, you don't know. And, and even at that point as anglers, you couldn't look at the bass track. Yeah. So you, you couldn't even, you know, based on the rules, you couldn't go, well, shoot, I got 10 pounds and majority of the people got 15 pounds. Now we're going to know exactly what's going on. So like, you know, if it's 11 o'clock and, and my boat official goes, okay, Jared, your best five are 12 pounds. The top 20 cut right now is 18 pounds. Guess what? It's time to either run as far as I can from where I'm catching these fish or put on the biggest bait I got, or you know, it's going to make you do something. You know, and score tracker to this point has done that already. Like, you know, if you're not catching enough, you're in the wrong zone, you're throwing mm-hmm. the wrong baits, you you gotta do something to combat that. But I think having this live scoring where you know exactly where you stand, it's it's gonna be like really, really cool to watch and, and participate in. I mean it I'm looking forward to it kind of selfishly. And I think a lot of these guys are too, because all these guys, like I said, are amazing anglers and they all have their go-tos, whether it's throwing a big swim bait, <clears throat> throwing a big jig, do, doing whatever. Now they can go, okay, look, I don't have to get 15, 20 bites to compete. If I stick with my guns, I think by the end of the day, I can grind out 20, 22 pounds or whatever. Um, but at the same time, if it's two o'clock, you only got three of those good fish and you know, you need a couple keepers. So it's a whole, it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve, but I think it's gonna be really exciting. Like Nick was here, uh, last week and he's like, you say, Nick, you're talking about Nick Salvucci, uh, us open champ, West coast, West coast legend, West coast legend. In his own mind. No, he's he's, he's awesome. pretty good. He's awesome. Um, he goes, we were throwing frogs and buzz baits and stuff. And he goes, how many fish in the past four seasons of fishing the Bass Pro Tour have you weighed on a frog? And I'm like, that's a great question. I, like, I couldn't, I don't remember a particular tournament where I just crushed him on a frog. But if we were in a traditional five fish situation, I might have been like, all right, I can get eight or 10 bites today on a frog. You know what I mean? So it's a different, uh, mindset. And, um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing, you know, the adjustments that guys are going to have to make as, as well as, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of a really weird situation knowing because you know you know how it is you mm-hmm. go to the at the weigh-ins at the bassmaster opens that you just fished how'd you do today 
oh, I got, you know, 10 pounds and you're waiting in line and you're looking at the thing going, okay, am I going to make a check? And you don't know really anything until yeah. an hour after the weigh-in, kind of. Well, now you can, you know, minute to minute where you're at. So it's totally different. That's why I said. I like, I run around in the opens, you know, as you get to know guys, you're like, oh, there's Andrew. You run over and you shut down. If he's up on the bank, you go, yo, thumbs up, thumbs down. What do you got? He, you know, he knows the fishery. Hey, it's super tough today or they're biting. I talked to so-and-so. He's only got two, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, I got 11. Well, then you go, okay, well, now I'm making decisions based on it because I know I've locked up a check. It'll change. Let me ask you this, Jared. Behind the scenes, do you think this move was more angler-driven to keep the majority of the BPT anglers engaged, happy, and listen to them? Or do you think it was more fan and viewership driven to try to increase the viewership numbers of the BPT going into year five of this? I think it was a perfect combination of that. Um, I really honestly do because some polls were taken and things like that. Um, and I think overwhelmingly that was just, that was the thing on both sides, as far as the anglers, as far as the sponsors, as far as the fans, <coughs> it was, you know, above half of all the polls were leaning towards this five fish catchway release. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's yes. Some anglers are going to be happy. Some anglers are wanted to keep it the same. And I respect that. Um, it's, it's just what we have to do um, to keep everybody happy, to keep the fans engaged, to keep the anglers engaged and then uh, sponsors and and uh, yeah, I think it's going to be really good though. I really, really do, honestly. All right, I would like to go through the schedule, and we talked a little bit about this with your move to Georgia. The entire twenty twenty three BPT schedule is, I wouldn't say in your backyard, but like there's no more cross country ventures except for up north. And if you live up north, that's the only. Otherwise, it's a drive for everybody. Right. Um. But I think the, the, the five-fish format, big big change to kick things off in February on Kissimmee. Now you can cruise around and, and, and try to find big betters and get fish locked down on it. And it's no longer a offshore hydrilla two-and-a-half-pound fest, right? Like, that's a major change in that event. Oh, yeah, huge. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, here, here's the other side of that, though. So the first-ever Bash Pro Tour event was at Lake Kissimmee. Right. <clears throat> and we had this nasty cold front, like bad, like normal. Whenever there's a tournament in Florida in January, February, you're going to have a cold front. Ironically, it's the night before the first day of the competition. Always. And, and you're going, man, they're not going to bite. You know, it was rainy, overcast, whatever. I mean, the whole time I'm thinking, dude, this day is not going to be good. It's going to be hard to get a bite. Well, the score tracker doesn't lie. and Guys are catching them. But what's interesting about that is guys like Randall Tharp, um, Bobby Lane, uh, Chris Lane. They weren't cat. They weren't targeting those like you said, uh, the two pounders and stuff. Like I, I kind of was. I was fishing in a pad field. I never caught one over five pounds in the whole week, and I finished third in the tournament. Mm -hmm. uh, I was getting a lot of bites, but I remember like Randall when he swung, it was like a five to eight pounder. 
Like he weighed like I forget what the results, but it was like eight fish for like thirty eight pounds or something. I mean, so just because we're in that you know catch weigh release as many fish scorable, guys were still targeting those big ones. But now, like you said, five fish in Florida, I that pad field, I'll go and check it, mm-hmm. but that's not where I really want to be. You know what I yeah. mean? Because uh, that time of year, you know, there might but, be some. So I've got that pulled up, that tournament. Dude, there was not a single Florida angler that made the top 10. Yeah. Uh, when was the last time we were in Florida where it wasn't? I mean, the only, there were two in the top 20. Big Show snuck in in 19th and Bobby was in 12th. But outside of that, you look at the guys who traditionally, I mean, that, I think yeah. that changed it a lot. I mean, look, it was yeah. Jordan, Edwin, you. Gags, AJ Jr., Randy Howell, Michael Neal, Jeff Sprague, Connell, and Taco. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's you know how Florida is, dude. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. But I, I think getting back to mm-hmm. this, the five fish, you know, the, those guys, like the guys who catch them are still going to catch them. That's a matter. <laughs> I, I I don't like the people. Okay, so like Sean. Or not Sean. Sean saying Wheeler's catching him. We'll catch him. Agree. Where was the one I saw it? Uh, Pete said the same thing. Wheeler. Clay said the same thing. Oh, Jason said, is this the Jacob Wheeler rule? I don't think this had anything to do with a couple guys dominating on this. Like one of the biggest proponents, I would say probably the biggest proponent of this would be Jordan Lee, who just came off a second angler of the year. He won the first BPT. It was, and he was the angler of the year a couple years ago. I mean, the guy was making bukus of money on it. And Wheeler came out and said that, you know, it doesn't matter. Like you said, I don't think that can be stressed enough. The guys who catch him are going to catch him, whether it was a 10, whether it was a five, whether it was an every fish count, whether it was a four pound minimum. Yeah, there's going to be certain tweaks and things that are going to benefit styles of anglers. But if you're good, you're freaking good. Absolutely. I mean, that's been proven. I mean, these guys, it doesn't matter if they go fish a single big fish tournament. (laughs) <laughs> they're gonna catch them you know what i mean, I mean yeah, it doesn't yeah. really matter but but i uh, do like the schedule because i feel at 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 uh at cherokee and douglas and at murray those two events like i mean that's going to bring a lot more largemouth back into play and hero runs and decision makings and swim baits back into play i mean you're there's just a lot more stuff i mean uh the up north stuff uh cayuga like, let's just say perhaps an individual catches one of the top five biggest smallmouth ever caught in tournament competition that may or may not weigh seven pounds, 10 ounces, and it doesn't move him at all. And there's no significance to his standing with it. And a dude catches two, three and a halves under the dock and has the exact same weight as a guy who literally just caught a fish of a lifetime. That has chapped me to no end. Dude, you catch a seven, 10 smallmouth in a tournament. There's a flaw in your system, Jared, if that does you no good. A 7-10 smallmouth did him no good. I mean, it got him closer to the next spot. Dude, you should be eating ham sandwiches at 11 going, holy cow, let's crack 30 pounds today. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I agree with you. And, and you know, I think we, we talked about this yesterday. I was telling Carrie a while back when I was organizing my shop, all my tackle, I'm like, I guess it's time to, you know, get rid of a lot of my big baits like because i'm not really i haven't really been throwing them except for when i'm fishing around here you know i go to gunnersville on a fun trip or something like that but now not now i ain't selling none of that stuff 
because it's all going back in the boat because like you said, you catch one of those tanks and it's going to jump you way up there. You know, like at Mille Lacs, if we were there, if we had this same scenario going in to that tournament, by the time you get to, you know, if I had 18 pounds and I'm in 22nd place on five, but I needed four, a four pounder to jump up there or a six pounder, right? To give me four extra pounds to jump up into the cut. I'm pulling out a freaking 10 inch triple trout. I'm going to do that. But in the way it was, you know, our format that we just fished in, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, I need two, you know, two, three pounders. I'm right back there. So exactly what you said. So it's just a different strategy. That, if that makes sense. A hundred percent. All right. I know you got to go break in the new Vexus. Uh, are you cool to stick around with one more segment? Selfishly, I have a couple questions about uh, perhaps a, a little beefier drop shot. If I remember, you may or may not have caught some studs on it to kick things off of the year. Kind of one of your deals that's been in your uh, bag of tricks for a number of years and has put some fish in the boat. I don't have it dialed in. I fancy myself a Oklahoma drop shotter, and I was wondering if I could maybe learn from one of the best who knows how to beef it up a little. Sure, I'll, I I got it. It's right here. All right, we'll come back right after this. It is uh, it is the power shot, the Bubba shot. I guess you're in Georgia now, so you got to call it the Bubba shot, the or the uh, or the Ugga shot, the, the Ugga shot. shot. That's the name of the bulldog, I believe, is Ugga. Okay. You, probably, you probably didn't know that. I had no idea. I think it is. Let me Google it. <laughs> Uga. <laughs> Uga. Uga. Really? Uga. U-G-A. So they actually have like a mascot dog like on the field at their home game? Dude, you can't ask this stuff on air. You're losing a lot of Georgia fans. Oh. Yes, they have, a, they have a white bulldog named Uga. He wears a red Georgia jersey. Really? He has attacked opposing team. I don't know if this version of Ugga has, but in the past, Ugga has tried to viciously attack opposing team <laughs> players <laughs> during the game. He is uh, he is royalty in the okay. state of Georgia. That would be Ugga, the Bulldog. What's, his, what's the number on his jersey? Uh, I believe it just says G. I don't think he has a number. Nice. Nice. All right. Ugga. All right. Tuesday with Jared Littner. We'll be back right after this. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronics setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting beatdownoutdoors.com. The new Android series is the peak of the Denali lineup and offers the ultimate Denali experience. The Android series features 36-ton multi-directional graphite combined with interlock blank technology for added strength. Each rod is outfitted with royal titanium guides that will not fail. The blank is fitted into an easy-touch, soft-feel EVA foam grip with exposed blank reel seat. This all allows the Android to transmit every movement of your bait and even the most subtle bites. The Android series is the finest rod Denali has ever made and offers an angler the ultimate fishing experience with a limited lifetime warranty. See the full lineup of Android rods at DenaliRods.com. 
Vibrating jigs are a great choice for any time of year, and the Kamikaze Swim-On is a perfect match for any vibrating jig. Two sizes and the unique tail design gives it a bait fish profile and a great swimming action for realism. There are 17 colors. See them all at BigBiteBaits.com. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years, and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat, so you can never have enough new colors. That's why Spro's coming out with a handful of new colors, including Pearl Shad, which has this bleached out white look, but it's got this pearlescent, really, really pretty. We've got Copper Shad, which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back, really, really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the matte sexy shad just a really different looking color for a crankbait so you want to give them a little different look that matte sexy shad is definitely the one to go with all these colors are available in the original little john and the md combining one of the most popular hook styles with gamakatsu's beefier superline offering the gamakatsu superline offset round bend delivers the strength necessary to target big fish in heavy cover. Well suited for braided line and heavier fluorocarbon, the Gamakatsu Superline Offset Round Bend is built using stronger Superline wire that allows anglers to easily fish a finesse worm around heavy cover. The Round Bend offers a larger bite area, perfect for any worm presentation, while increasing your hookup ratios. The newly enhanced Z-Band holds your plastics on the hook longer reducing the number of pull-offs and reducing damage to plastics. Available in 2-aught, 3-aught, 4-aught, and 5-aught, this is the most durable worm hook designed for heavier lines that hold your bait on longer. Preparation is key to success. And that preparation starts well before you ever hit the water. You're only as strong as your connection to the fish, and your line is that critical connection. Confidence in your line every minute of every day on the water is a necessity, and failure, it's not an option. Sunline makes the fluorocarbon, nylon, and braided lines to give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. All right, we are back wrapping things up with uh, Jared Lintner. If I was to say, uh, we'll just get everything out of the way here. You know what UGG is now. And, uh, if I was to say between the hedges... Does that mean anything to you, Mr. Littner? Uh, I have some hedges. You do have some hedges. Between the hedges. So uh, Georgia has hedges, hedges, shrubbery, right. very yeah. famous shrubbery that surround the, the field. They're very hollowed. They're kind of like the, uh, the trees at, at Toomer's Corner at, at Auburn. I don't know what that is either. Ask Steve no, I, about I, that. I Ask guess. Steve Kennedy about that. But but the hedges are hollowed. So when they talk about between the hedges, that's where that's where UGA, the Bulldogs, play their games. So very very kind of hollowed, respected hedges there in Georgia as well. I'm gonna go up there. I promise you. I guess you could also be like a Georgia Tech fan. You could be a Yellow Jacket. No, I can't do that. My buddies would that I've became friends with. They would throw me out. I'd be done. All right. Uh. Let's get to this. I remember was it at the was it at the Bussy Break Caney Creek Derby at the beginning of this year that you broke out the bubber shot or the power shot? Yeah, yeah, uh, Darbone, and then yeah, I've caught him at I've caught him pretty much all over the country with this 
Bubba shot, power shot, West coast shot, whatever you, uh, I mean, there's tons of different names. I just call it a power shot. All right. So I've been accused on BTL on very highly regarded message boards of only asking questions that benefit myself, Jared. Yes. Which those are the only questions I know because that's what I'm interested in. Right. But this is a purely selfish question. I got my tail whipped at Sam Rayburn in the last open by one between eight and ten. And I thought I had I thought that I had done what I needed to do. I bumped it up to 14 pound test. I went to a three aught medium wire hook. I added my own keeper on it. I had the three eights. I had a seven four medium. I went to 16 pound braid and I went with the three thousand size reel. I thought I could handle anything that was thrown my way. And I was proven grossly wrong a minute into the fight after I got it stuck in the pile, got it out, got through the jump, and it, it I mean, I couldn't move the dang thing. And it occurred to me, perhaps this is not the best setup when no. you're around the megalodons. No. The dinosaurs. So I'm going to go, I'm going to even go like big, try to go uh, full screen on you here. There you go. All right. It's, what I'm, what did I do wrong? And the next time in a Bubba shot situation, what are, what are we doing? You had the right kind of concept, but your your tools weren't where they needed to be. So it, it it's, comes off of a drop shot. Obviously, that's where it all kind of you know heavier line, heavier rods, heavier reel. Everything's heavier than you know throwing a spinning reel, light line, that whole deal. So years ago at Clear Lake, the Delta, these fish getting a lot of education about, you know, they're getting fish for a lot. They're back in the reeds. They're back in grass. They're underneath docks. Well, you get owned like you did at Rayburn. If you pitch a drop shot in there, everybody else is throwing like, you know, back then it was brush hogs, big jigs, you know, bottom contact baits. And then, you know, you get bit, but the more pressure those fish got, you'd get less and less bites so guys would you know i remember doing it i'd pitch a drop shot back in the reeds in a hole get one on break them off come off whatever and you're like dude well i just kept going up in line size right when you do that you got to go up in rod size you got to go up in hook size you got to go everything pretty much other than your weight so basically here's the setup i got Okay, so this is here. I have this one rigged on 18 pound shooter. Okay, oh wow. I typically don't go to a braid fluoro leader. Um, I just go straight fluoro. So 99.9% of the time I'm throwing a shooter. Okay, sunline shooter, it's the best, abrasive resistant, very low stretch, that whole deal. Fluorocarbon. <coughs> um, so this is kind of what I start off with 16 or 18 depending on the water clarity or the depth I'm fishing or the structure I'm fishing. Sometimes I'll go to straight braid, like 60 pound braid, FX2 braid, depending on what's going on. Like when we're in Florida here in a couple months, I'll go, I'll have one rigged on straight braid, but obviously you got to go up in everything else you do, right? The real size really doesn't matter. Um, <clears throat> like you said, you were throwing a, uh, 3000. This is just a two or, you know, standard. This is a Daiwa zillion, uh, you know, just the same real baitcaster. Bait caster, yeah. I was throwing a spinning. Well, that's, that's not what you want right there. I've noticed <laughs> bringing, a, bringing a knife to a gunfight. So 
<coughs> excuse me, I think I got a gnat or something. Um, so here's the hook that I mainly go with. This here's a, just a six inch fat robo. Um, you could throw a regular six inch straight tail robo. You could throw all kinds of different creature baits. I got another bait here I'll show you. But this here is a, a Trocar 2-aught finesse hook. And what I do is because it does not come with a bait keeper on it, and I actually talk with the Trocar guys about it, and we're, we're thinking about, you know, putting these in production with a bait keeper just for this reason. I actually tie one on here with some monofilament so the worm stays up there okay. nice and good. But here's, here's the thing. So I like this hook, <coughs> just my, my preference, because that Pro-V bend. But you can see, dude, when I got a stout rod, so that's a medium heavy seven foot three. I mean, it's it's a stout rod. Mm -hmm. That hook does not flex. Hold it up just a little bit more, a little higher. So I don't see if you see that. It doesn't yep. flex out. Okay. So you're using a heavy rod. You're using heavy line. You if you don't have the right hook, like you said, you're using a medium wire hook, dude. You hang a big one or even a hot three pounder that, that hook point is going to open up. You're going to lose that fish. Okay. Done like gone. Um, so that's the one that I like a lot for doing that. <clears throat> and then I, is that like a flipping gauge then? So like I usually oh. use a super light, like a light wire that I can pull open up with my oh. hands, either that Gamagatsu oh. with the tin keeper or something like when I'm around spots and, 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 Dude, and spinning here, on this last year in the spring. Uh, even on spinning rods and light line? No, that's different. And that's what How I'm talking. That? That's what I normally use. I yeah, went up yeah. to the medium gauge, but you don't think I went up enough? No. Okay. Nope. I mean, this, this here is, says finesse, but it's not like it's not like a drop shot hook finesse. Okay. Right? It's like a worm hook kind of a deal. So then here's the other thing. This, this here is just a jackal chunk craw. I, I mean, I catch them on that on a power shot i use a tk 130 this is actually their flipping hook not monster but just a flipping hook so just like you would go flip you know those lay downs over <laughs> there you rig that i mean you know if i was in some trees or some whatever some nasty stuff i'm throwing it on that with a heavier rod though i'm gonna throw a heavy action rod not a medium heavy so it's kind of like it's kind of like anything else right whether you're you know, you can't you can't throw a one ounce football jig on the same rod. You're going to throw a three eighths ounce uh, mesh jig. Okay. You can't do it. So it, it's it's the whole system, right? If you have one flaw in the system, you're not going to boat those fish. I mean, yeah. it's, it's same same as what you're doing. With so your you're giving them the heavy lumber, just like you would then, just like you would if you were throwing a ten inch worm or a football jig in there. Hundred percent. Like, yes. If you if you have this setup, and I bring, I have your hook, or you know, a light wire hook, uh, dude, I, you're gonna lose them. Because here's what happened. I got it out of the pile. I was like, cool. My beefed up spinning rod stuff works. Yeah. Uh, it jumps, I get through the jump, but, but when it jumped, it jumped mouth closed, Jared. I call it, I told Holman, I said it whale jumped. It did one of those shoo with its yeah. mouth shut, not the Bassmaster jump where it's pegged and it's trying to throw it. Right. Right. My theory afterwards 
was that I wasn't able to exert enough pressure with that spinning rod, the 14-pound test on that fish, to even blow its mouth open and get a hook in it. And it just had a little bit of the hook point, and it finally decided to open its mouth after 45 seconds, and it just, boo. Was that what you think happened? 100%. 100%. Dude, it's the same thing. Like, it, you, you look at this technique without the drop shot, okay? Mm-hmm. It's like you're doing a Texas rig, Okay. Are you going to throw that, you know, that setup into a brush pile, a Texas rig into a brush pile on 10 pound line with a no. light wire hook no. on a medium light rod? No, you're not. So, so what's in your mind is that drop shot because you're throwing a drop shot. <coughs> you're thinking that everything has to be finesse. It doesn't. I'm telling you, dude, like, I've caught them on 60 pounds straight braid on this setup. So the only thing that's finesse then is that bait presentation down there that you're able to quiver, that you're able to keep in place, that you're able to get in front of that finicky fish and everything else around it needs to be power fishing mentality. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's, that's all there is to it. It's not like, you know, it's, it's nothing like crazy. Like I have this rigged up. If I'm flipping, I don't know, wherever, if I'm going down flipping bushes at Rayburn, right. And I'm catching them on a traditional Texas rig craw or a jig or something. <clears throat> if I feel like those fish are getting a lot of pressure, I'm coming back through there with this. You, you know what I mean? And, and you're going to get bites. I mean, I'm putting it in the same places. It takes a little while. One other tip I'll, I'll tell you with this. The shorter the leader on this, the the better you can place it, if that makes sense. So if you have a long leader, it starts getting all wobbly, you know, when you make a pitch or a flip. But the shorter leader, so I'll I'll rig it like maybe eight inches. And I I mean you can fish it through anything, anything you could put a half ounce flipping jig in, you can put that in. And 90% of your guys that you're competing against are going with those traditional tactics. So these fish ain't seeing that bait up off the bottom. They're seeing it, you know, a jig laying on the bottom or coming through the tree. They're not seeing that bait right there. And and another thing you got to remember too, we're not just talking about <clears throat> like, I don't just go down a sand bank and throw this. You know what I'm saying? You're putting it around docks, in bushes, in laydowns, around grass, in reeds. So <clears throat> just because, you know, you have heavier line and it's on a drop shot rig, there's so much other stuff to camouflage the line that I don't feel like those fish are going, oh, that's a drop shot. And it's got this big old leader line attached to it. How many times have you caught fish and they have lines sticking out of their mouth? Cause somebody broke, I mean, dude, I don't, I think line definitely matters as far as, you know, you don't want to throw 20 pound test shooter on a drop shot with a nose hook. I'm not going to do that. But everybody gets freaked out about just because it's a drop shot, you got to throw it on eight or less. That's not true. Not true at all. Is there a fisher, is there a tournament fishery in the country that you don't think you could at least cash a check using a drop shot i've asked this i've i've my theory is i want to fish 
the entire open season next year just throwing a drop shot to try to qualify for the Elite Series. And I feel as versatile as it is, needing 12.5 to 13 pounds a day to qualify, not leaving any fish on the table, highly pressured fishery, five days of practice, 200-plus boat field. Do you feel like that's possible? You know, the here's what I'm going to tell you. Florida, with me and a drop shot, have never, like, I've never really been like, dude, that's the deal. I've caught some on it, but for whatever reason, I've never, like, I've done this power shot deal, and I've thrown a traditional, you know, spinning rod next to isolated reeds and stuff. Mm -hmm. For me, I get more bites throwing a, a soft stick bait or a swim bait or something like a mag speed worm, something like that. Um, so I would say 100% yes, as long as there's not a lot of Florida tournaments. There's one because in October. Then you might be able to get away with it. I mean, I, I wouldn't go like, dude, that's the only thing I'm going to throw. But I would definitely, oh, I, dude, I'm going to have two of these rigged up for that first tournament we have at Kissimmee. One straight braid and one probably that same setup I got right there. You know, but yeah, no, the drop shot, there's so many different things you can do with it too. Like the baits, you know, it doesn't have to be just a six inch straight tail worm or a, it, it, you could, dude, I've caught them on brush hogs. I've caught them on creature baits. I mean, beavers, it, it doesn't matter really. It's if you want to mimic a bluegill, Throw a, throw a freaking beaver on there or a spicy beaver or something. If you want to imitate, you know, it's it's kind of up to you. It's a real versatile bait, and you can fish on everything from three-pound line to 60-pound braid. But like we talked about, the most important thing is matching your equipment to what, you know, the presentation you're going to be throwing. Good stuff. You headed to break the Vexus in. Got to roll, man. And then we got a deer hunt this evening. So, yeah, we got a lot of stuff going on. All right. I'll let you go. That was <laughs> that was freaking awesome, dude. All right, buddy. Greatly well, appreciate it. Yeah, when you're when you're in the Bulldog State, uh, let me know. You'll be traveling through here probably, coming down Interstate 20. Now you just upset all the peach farmers. Oh, shoot. Man. Well, peach state <laughs> is over. It's the peach state, isn't it? You no, know it's really good is those Vidalia onions. I don't know if you ever had those. Yeah, those are good. They're kind of sweet. Super, yeah. That's yeah, the only but, onion that I'll eat uh eat raw. Yeah, they stop, you know, the season's passed, so now we're back to regular onions. So Is that kind of like oysters where you don't eat Vidalias only in months that end in Y <laughs> or ER or something? <laughs> what do you come up with all this stuff? No, that's how it is with uh with the uh, with uh oysters. You don't I you don't, you only eat oysters in months that end in ER. So like June, July, August, no go. Really? But September, October, November, December. No kid. I believe so. I think you're just spinning a yarn. I don't, I don't know. know. You Google it. <laughs> Everything, you just Google it. All uh, right. Take it easy, Jared. What? What's the dog's name again? Ugg. Ugg? Uga, U-G-A, because I got University of Georgia, U-G-A, I got you. And he hangs at, where does he hang out? Between the uh, hedges. Between the bushes. Now, don't call them bushes. Hedges, hedges, yeah. (laughs) 
See ya. All right, buddy. All right, that was the one and only Jared Lintner. Great, uh, great information there at the end. Uh, great interview. Learned a lot of stuff uh, during that, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. All right, a uh, little recap of what we have coming up on Bass Talk Live tomorrow. Uh, one of the uh, uh, pundit, uh, industry veteran, angler, uh, Jody White. I believe he is making his way to the uh, Toyota Championship at Gunnersville, which kicks off. He is going to be on to preview that uh, that tournament. Talk a little bit about what's going on, what to expect from that. You know, I was uh, I was uh, I was talking with him on the phone yesterday, and he was fishing in an undisclosed location and just caught a six pound smallmouth. Um, I don't even know what state he was in, but. Uh, I said, dude, I said, I'm looking at this and, you know, there is no uh, Forcewood Cup or title or championship or whatever you want to talk to. Uh, Littner, I believe, has won an open championship. They don't have a championship in the Opens anymore. They just have an overall angler of the year. Uh, The U.S. Open is kind of a one-off event. Uh, You really only have Redcrest and the Bass Nation Championship is kind of... uh, an amateur deal kind of weekend style. Um, so you really only have Redcrest, the Bassmaster Classic, and the Toyota Championship. So it's like top three of the biggest tournaments. You also have the biggest international field out of any uh, tournament that's going on, the highest uh, payout in a non-Redcrest or, or classic event. Instead of 300000 it's it's 200,000 and then more if you have a uh, if you're running a uh, uh, Phoenix boat and representation 360 including a western division. So that's a big tournament, really cool tournament, a lot of payout. So uh Jody White on then next week. Yes, I did just see uh the article that came out this morning on bassfan.com. Red Crest Champ Lane leaving the BPT. Uh, this is by John Johnson, who's been with Bass Fan forever. Bobby Lane, the 2022 Red Crest champion, is leaving Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour and will compete in all nine Bassmaster Opens next year in an effort to requalify for the Elite Series. Uh, my family and I really want to get back to the Bassmaster Classic. We had a wonderful time at Red Crest. Red Crest was absolutely amazing. It's what I dreamed about my whole career, but fishing the MLF Pro Circuit the past few years, I really enjoyed my time competing in the weigh-in style and did not realize how much I missed it. I'm ready to shift gears and get back in that direction. Uh, he's he's in his, his uh, mid-40s, Bobby there, and... I, you know, we've seen what Chris has done with the POW on the Red River and the Classic, uh, how important the Bassmaster Classic is to Bobby. And I think that is a carrot that a lot of those guys, I mean, you have to look deep inside. And if you're going to spend your entire life chasing something and spend the tens of thousands of dollars with the family, knowing that, uh, that, I mean, you're not in the first half of your career, I think for some guys, they just, they just want a chance to win the Bassmaster Classic. Uh, he's got a world championship. Uh, he's got a red crest. He has a elite series. He has an open. He has a lot of the things. Uh, and I actually talked with Bobby yesterday and I said, Hey, well, he said he's actually shooting some commercial stuff today. Bobby will be on next Monday. Uh, we are going to talk about, he's got his, uh, his kids tournament this weekend. So we'll talk about that. He's been doing a lot of stuff with the youth down there in Florida. So we'll talk about that. Uh, and it's no, uh, he's like, dude, it's, it's all positive. He's like, dude, I, I, 
He goes, it's just for me, and I want a chance to win the Bassmaster Classic. So you can't win the Bassmaster Classic and, unless you fish with BASS. It's kind of how that works. So uh, Bobby Lane uh, competing in all nine. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see if there's any other. Uh, my gut now, as we kind of get closer and closer to it and you kind of have a deadline where guys are, are, uh, are getting their schedules together, are figuring out what they're fishing, are working on their sponsor contracts for the next year. Uh, I don't think it will be as many fishing all nine of the Bassmaster Opens as I originally thought, uh, as, a, as a lot of us originally thought. I thought I think there was a lot of talk, a lot of people who were looking at it, were seriously considering it, looking at the uh, logistics of it. And, and I, I don't think Bobby will be the only one, uh, but I don't think it will be a mass exodus as or or even 10 5 whatever i think there'll just be a couple it'll be interesting to see uh as that gets closer and closer to the start of both uh the mlf bpt season the invitational season and the bassmaster open season i'm just curious as to i know bobby qualified for uh i don't i, I don't know if it's in that article or not um Talks about how he won the Red Crest. Uh, he won. I do not know if he'll get to defend his Red Crest title. So, you know, in 19, uh, the guys who qualified for the Classic in 18 did fish in 19 and then went to uh, the BPT, even though they weren't competing with Bass. Bass honored that. I do not know if uh, he even got a invite into the 2023. Well, he's qualified for it through the 2022 season. So it'll be interesting to see... Uh, what he does with Threadcast. I guess we'll ask him that on Monday. Hopefully Marty Stone will have his uh, water issues around the house and figured out. He did. He sent me some pictures that looked like an absolute nightmare what he was dealing with. Uh, he will be on Tuesday and then Wednesday, one of my favorite guests. He already sent a picture. Let me see what he described it as. I need to... I need to uh, let me get down here and see what he described it as. It is... He's holding a lure. It is a fan-driven mechanical frog. The fan blades turn when the frog is pulled through the water, and when the fan blades turn from resistance, it spins a vertical shaft that is linked to the legs, which make them kick. That is one and only probably the most knowledgeable, uh, not probably the most knowledgeable antique lure collector on tour, Bernie Schultz, on Wednesday before he heads to a major antique lure event he will be on uh next wednesday so that's all we got btl on a tuesday jody white tomorrow previewing the toyota series championship big shout out to jared lindner educational entertaining and engaging as always we will talk to you guys tomorrow